I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. is a New York Times bestselling author, small business owner, content creator, and world traveler living in Paris. So many people have said she's the real life Emily in Paris. Anna is the author of the Live Your Life, My Story of Loving and Losing Nick Cordero, which she co-wrote with her sister, television star Amanda Klutz. Anna's latest book is titled My Own Magic. Her writing candidly reflects on her travels, relationships, failures, and fantasies. Anna adds a little sparkle to everything she does, thinks outside the box, and prefers to dance down the streets instead of simply stroll. She can often be spotted sipping a glass of champagne in a cafe, undoubtedly celebrating something. In the last 12 years, she's lived in New York, London, and Paris, and traveled to 83 countries across six continents. And now for every woman searching for her voice, Anna shares her story of starting over by trusting the magic that was always within. So please welcome to the show, Anna Klutz. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your journey with us and share more about the book and everything that you've, I guess, experienced along your healing journey. I I don't take your time for granted and I appreciate just the transparency that I know this conversation is going to have. So thank you. Thank you. So before we get into where you are presently, I love to learn a little bit more about the backstory because our childhood, our childhood experiences, our childhood environments, our childhood wounds, all those things affect who we are today. So before society or, you know, culture or any of those things limited your beliefs, I would love to know, you know, what you wanted to be as a little girl and what your aspirations were. I love that you said before society limited us. I was talking about (laughs) true. When I was little, I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be a waitress. (laughs) I used to play waitress in the house and walk around and get everybody snacks and foods and things. I was very much into writing and creating. So for a while, I would draw like my own fashion magazine where I would design these fashions that involved a lot of capes which I now think is really cool because I was essentially making women into superheroes. Um, <laughs> I love that. Like, write the fake, you know, advertisements and like other things that would be in a magazine. Uh, and these exist <laughs> in my <laughs> bin of childhood mem- memories. Uh, so we're not too far off. I didn't end up on the complete opposite uh, spectrum. I love that. I love. Okay, so tell us how that transitioned into who you are today. Share a little bit of your backstory and how you got to where you are presently. Well, um, I went to school then for fashion. I wanted to go to school for writing and it was kind of 
discouraged from the whole idea as you know everyone says you're never going to make any money being a writer so I was that was you know society coming in saying like you really shouldn't are you sure this is what you want to do you want to struggle like that uh so I went into fashion instead realized pretty quickly I didn't want to work in fashion uh you know the reality of learning what that job was was so different from what I thought it was going to be in my head and so I left college with kind of the only knowledge of what I really loved doing was traveling which I learned during my semester abroad in France and I loved writing which I also learned by starting a blog while I was on this semester abroad just to keep my family and friends like up to date on what I was doing. So those two things kind of led to like, this is my passion and I know it. And this is what I know I want to do. And I just don't know how to make this into a job Um, because it wasn't a job, you know, (laughs) it wasn't a job at all back then. This was 2009 when I was really like, I'm studying fashion. I don't want to do this. All I want to do is write and travel. And I mean, fast forward a couple of years, I got offered a job in London when I graduated from college It had nothing to do with anything I had studied. It was in sales, selling very expensive doorknobs and hinges and things that I knew, you know, nothing about, but learned because the job was going to take me to London. So I lived there for a year. And then that's when I really fell in love with with traveling and traveling alone. Um, I came really empowered by by what every kind of trip taught me about myself and about the world. And it was kind of like opening up the whole world to me. And then I came back to New York when that year was up and met, uh, basically then, you know, got, got more serious with my boyfriend at the time in New York and ended up getting married. He was a professional magician and I became a magician's assistant. So I've had a lot of career changes. Um, And then with him, I started traveling uh, full time, pretty much uh, being his assistant, mostly off stage, not really on. So I was doing a lot of like the creative aspect, a lot of helping um, very, very multifaceted career. And so I could kind of help with a lot of things. And then I basically started sharing on Instagram when Instagram was new and something I download pictures of our travel and I started writing about it. And um, I'd been keeping blogs and journals the whole time. And, and I really fell in love with this idea of, you know, writing about travel and sharing the magic of it. And the more I experienced and, and saw and grew and changed, I was like, this is something I want to share. I want this to be a book. And I, I was writing this, you know, these stories and these blogs and taking these pictures one day, hoping it would all lead to a book. And my marriage kind of then came crashing down very suddenly. I was left without a job, a husband and a home all on the same day. Um, And that's when I was sort of like, well, what am I going to (laughs) do, especially for work? And I thought, well, maybe I can make all these travel stories into a book. Uh, And it's when I met with my lit agent then that then she was the one who listened to the whole travel stories, but then also everything I had been through and gone through. And that was sort of how this book came to be was she was like, there's a lot more to this story than than just the trips you took. And I was like, yeah, there is, isn't there? Yeah. And when I realized it had the potential to kind of what I hope it will do is, you know, inspire and and help other people who are sort of at their lowest low believe that this is temporary. You will end up happier and better off and stronger. So that's really why I started writing it. Wow. There is so much in what you said that like, there's so many points in there that I want to unpack. So a couple of things. One, you know, I, I've been divorced myself, so I, I totally get how that can be not only like a shock to your system, but kind of you having to recreate what your life is going to be or what it's going to be like. It's a complete shift in your identity. So my question to that part is like, what are some things that you've learned about yourself during or after the divorce? And I, you know what? I have so many questions. I'm like, okay, where do I want to start? <laughs> okay, we'll start there. We'll start there. We start with that one. Yeah. Um, so much, so much. In a way, uh, I really used, I, I felt very lost when, when my divorce happened because I had built my entire life and identity around this person that I met at 19. I was with for 10 years, married for four of them. And 
when that all came crashing down, I, w- I really didn't have an identity outside of that because I had given up so much of uh, my own passions, my own self, my own dreams for this other person and for what I thought was going to be our life together. So when I found myself back at the beginning, I almost didn't know where to even start because I couldn't even remember what I wanted or who I was. And I felt very incapable. I felt like without him, my life was over and like I couldn't do anything without him or be anything without him. And I then very, you know, I I guess pretty quickly started to realize like when you reflect, it's very normal to be in that state and just feel helpless. Um, I started reflecting a lot on what my life was like before I met him on a lot of the things that I had actually done on my own, even though it was within our relationship, like what I kind of gave someone else credit for where maybe credit wasn't due, you know, and I glazed over a lot of the things that were like actually pretty big wins or pretty big accomplishments, but I didn't give them the credit due. So I kind of like went back and like took tally, right? Like did did like a quick stock check of like what skills I actually had in here and, and what actually made me great. And I really needed to do that at that point. And I think we all need to do that like <laughs> monthly, just like let's take a quick tally of like why we're, you know, what we're good at and what we deserve praise for and what we need to stop and be proud of. It's, it's so easy to undervalue ourselves and to just, you know, always be saying that we're not great and we're not this and we're not that. Um, and when I took that little inventory, it just reminded me that like I was actually very capable and I had done things before this relationship and I could do things after it. And all the ex- and what I had learned from this relationship, the experiences it gave me, both good and bad, gave me this whole new skill set that I now walked into this new life incredibly determined, incredibly strong, not willing to put up with anything that didn't serve me. And and just like determined now to create a life that I really wanted instead of just a life I signed up for before I really knew what I wanted. Mm. That's important right there. That last line of what you said, because I feel, and I know myself included, a lot of people that are in a marriage or long-term relationship where they lose them themselves and forget all of their strengths and all of their own potential and their own magic because they're playing the supporting role in someone else's film. Mm-hmm. And when that ends, especially if it's unexpected, you know, we feel lost until we sit and take that tally of what we are great at, what we actually want, you know, what things we have and can accomplish. I know that when I was public about my experiences with after my divorce and and that journey, there were so many people that were reaching out through, um, you know, DMs on social and email asking for advice. It's like, I don't have all the answers. This is just what I am learning in the process, you know, on my own healing journey. So I guess like what advice would you give to a woman listening about how to turn their unhappy ending into a chance for a new beginning? You know, one thing I, I I get asked this question all the time too, and I have a similar response of like, there is, first of all, there's no right way to do it. There's no guidebook. There's no, you know, roadmap. It is so different for everyone. And it depends what exactly you've been through and, and what, what you have around you to, to help you heal. One thing I always say right away is like, just feel the pain that you feel. Don't try to tell yourself that you shouldn't. Don't try to invalidate it. Like, cry it out. I spent a long time just sobbing all day, every day. It's what I needed to do. I had spent too much time burying feelings and telling myself that I was okay when really I wasn't. So I always say like, there is no shame in feeling something very bad just happened to you. Your world came crashing down. You've lost a person that you thought you were going to spend your life with. Mm -hmm. Cry it out if you need to. Okay. So I always say that. <laughs> and then I say, make a list of what you what your dreams are. And and I did this sort of naturally. I started looking back and reading old journals, which is something I, I do a lot. And I found this old bucket list I had made. Um, and this is in my book. I, I read this bucket list and I realized how much of it I'd done. And and then I also realized that, you know, my life looks a bit different now. My dreams are going to maybe be a bit different. And and I start making a new bucket list. And as I'm writing down 
what I really want, the things like my biggest dreams, things I really want to do. I not only realized so many of them would have never been possible within the confines of my former relationship, but also now realized I have the power to do this. What's stopping me? What's stopping me from going and living these dreams? And that became insanely powerful because it like my dreams poured out of me where I had felt like I don't even know what I want. But when I just actually really stopped and thought about it, I I very quickly started writing down exactly what I wanted and what I wanted my life to look like. And then it kind of gave me direction of like, this is what I'm going for because now I can. I no longer have to say, well, that doesn't work or that's too expensive or that's not possible or that won't work with his schedule. It was just me. And I could go do all of these things. And that is a really amazing, I think, step one is just like, look at the possibilities ahead of you and start making a list of what you want your new life to look like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very easy, like I said before, to get lost in a relationship, a job, anything like that. And you, those steps of, you know, making your bucket list and reevaluating those things. And those are some great tools for for the women that are listening. Um, I know that you you spoke earlier about exploring different careers. You was like you said you you've experienced a lot of different careers. And anytime I've had so many women say this, and anytime it's said, it's almost said as 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 like a a disclaimer, like don't judge me. But I find so much beauty in that because you you know there's a lot of people that will get into one career and they get comfortable and they stick to that career forever, no matter how unhappy they are. But you've given yourself the opportunity to explore, to express your creativity, to see where one thing can lead to a next. So you're basically, you know, opening up the door for more opportunities that may not have existed had you stuck with, you know, one thing or one career. And I also feel like um, many of us are, what's the word I'm looking for? I hate to say creatives because I feel like at the end of the day, we're all creative. It's just how we apply our creativity. But I, I wanted to point that out because I know there are women in listening probably giving themselves flack for switching careers or feeling like they've moved around a lot. So I wanted to highlight what you said because there's so much positive within that. Oh, there's so much. It's I look at that, I look at the moving around is actually like if you can do that. I know some people end up staying in the same job because that they need that stability because of other, you know, other things, other factors that they can't control. And so they're, you know, almost stuck in a job. And so I do, I've always felt like when you have any kind of freedom is a huge privilege. If you actually can say, I'm going to, I'm going to change jobs. I'm going to change careers completely. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot everything and and go do this thing. Like if you have that possibility, it's such a gift because you do completely grow and change and learn totally new things as a result. It it should not at all be like looked down on to do that. It's like we should constantly be reinventing and rediscovering ourselves. Like we have a lot of life if you think about it. Like I think it would actually drive me nuts to just do the same thing all the time and and never like, you know, if I could, there's like eight other careers I hope to have. Some of them, you know, not so feasible. Like I think my, you know, I know my Disney princess cutoff has been made, unfortunately, that was <laughs> 30. So that dream is dead. But, um, you know, like there's there's an insane amount even now, like new jobs are being created every minute. Yes. So, uh, I say change your career as many times as you possibly can right. if you're so lucky to be able to do that. Yes, I, I agree with you. I feel like majority of people have only tapped into 10% of their potential because they are I guess, whether it be based on circumstances or mindset or whatever it is, they're, they're stuck in a situation. So I, I love that we've you know spoken to just opening up yourself to exploring the new opportunities. What are some of the ways that you've learned to trust the magic within you? Like being able to explore all those different things. I guess sometimes that may have come from our upbringing, what we saw. And if we didn't see that or we wanted to be, you know, so very different or whatever the reasoning is or whatever inspires it. But, you know, what how did you learn to trust that magic within? Um, you know, I I think a lot of it is is somewhat like self-reflection is uh, like I said earlier, where we don't give ourselves enough credit and it's easy to just glaze over the things we've accomplished. Um, when I was sort of at my lowest point, you are just writing yourself off as, you know, worthless. And my husband just left me and I don't have a job and my resume is insane. 
you know, who's, who's going to hire me. Like I'm, I'm so down on myself and you're just, you're looking at everything through this negative lens, but you have to like, you basically have to just shift your perspective and reframe everything. If you're, it's not easy, but you, once you start doing it, then it's really easy to actually do. Like once you learn that skill, you can practice it in so many ways. Um, you know, I, I looked at this resume that was insane and I was like, what company is ever going to hire me? <laughs> and then I was like, actually, this resume is amazing. Like I've done weird stuff and I've done it all over the world. And I, this is a little bit of sales experience. And I would, I have experience in this and this and this. And I was like, in, in traveling is its own kind of education. Like if I spin it like that, it's this really cool, unique dream resume that actually makes me equipped for a ton of stuff. And so like, it's just that you have to look at what you, what is really within you and appreciate it and really realize what you have done instead of just, you know, dismissing everything, like take note and, and give yourself props where it's due and identify what your strengths are and identify what really makes you, you. And to me, that's what, you know, what your magic is, like the things you can bring to the table that others can't, we all have these, these different strengths and these different skills. And, you know, you, when you really harness that and, and like own it, it becomes a superpower and it, it can take you places. So that's what really like trusting your magic is. You got to identify it and then own it and then trust it and use it. You, you, you hit like multiple nails on the head there because, you know, naturally we're, our brains are, are wired to focus on the negative, like for many reasons, like, you know, evolutionary survival instincts, our past experiences, um, cultural uh, or societal influences. There's so many reasons, but we're, we're wired to like, think of the negative first, but perspective is everything. When we shift our perspective of a situation, um, Something I had learned from my mentor is like, you know, even when something bad does happen before, you know, we, we freak out and react to this negative thing. Take a second pause and think about what good can come from this, because sometimes we're so focused on the bad situation that is happening. And then our minds go down this rabbit hole of all the negatives, worst case scenarios, you know, we're basically like tacking on <laughs> piles of negative energy. But if we were to switch our perspective and even just try to look at the positive, we're like switching how our, our brain processes that information um, and the narrative, the narrative that we're, we're telling ourselves, our inner stories are, what do you call them? Well, that's just what it is. The, the stories that we're, we're telling ourselves, because that's what matters, you know, and there's a lot of us telling ourselves negative things about our, our story that one isn't true. And two, it's stories that we've kind of made up or that doesn't have to have that ending per se. But it's what um, we start to believe because yeah. it, you tell yourself the same thing over and over and over again, and you start to believe it and yeah. you have to stop and realize like, I'm writing this book. Like I'm writing this narrative. I'm in control of how it goes. Yeah. Um, and I, I realized really early on that I say it in my book, failure was essential to my story. I was not happy, but I was convincing myself that I was, and it was fine and it was enough. And I really wanted to write a book and I had been really wanting to write a book and, and like full blaze with my own career, but it just wasn't ever going to work for me because my husband's career required that same amount of attention and focus and everything. There couldn't be two people like that in that relationship. And, and, right. you know, he was there first basically. So there was, <laughs> I had taken this supporting role. If, if that marriage hadn't failed, I would have never done anything I did. I would have never moved to France. I would have never put like, it lit a fire under me because suddenly I had to figure it out instead of just, you know, letting someone else, you know, call the shots and, and go along with it. Cause I was mostly happy. I now suddenly was like, we got to figure this out. You need a home, you need a job. You need, and I, yep. I'm so grateful it happened because otherwise I could see myself still being a magician's assistant and, you know, playing a supporting role forever. And I don't think in the net that would have made me happy. Yeah. And I believe that door closed so that I could go live my dream. And that's what we don't, I, I certainly didn't feel like that in the moment, but my brother, my late brother-in-law said to me the day that 
that, you know, day, the day this all went down and I was just sobbing in a mess. And then before bed, he gave me a huge hug and he said, Annie, best day ever. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? You know, um, but, but he saw then what I didn't yet of like, this is actually going to be the best thing ever happened to you. Yeah. And, and it was in, in the weirdest way. It, it was the fire I needed lit to go wild. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and we don't see that in ourselves, but other people see it. And that is kind of what we need to tune into. Like, no one else is really that worried about me. They are, they're, they're comforting me, they're consoling me, but no one looks as worried as I feel. Yeah. And that's a bit of a wake up call because people always see the best in you where we tend to see the worst in ourselves. So like, that's a good point of like, when you're at your lowest, check in, like check in with the people who are really your people. And chances are, they're going to be like, you got this. Yeah. It's not lack of empathy or sympathy, but it's just that like, they know you, they know you're going to rise. Yeah. And, And so try to see yourself through those eyes. And maybe that will help you realize like, okay, I do got this. It's, it's going to be hard for a while, but I got this. I'm going to come out of this stronger. Yeah. Wow. The last part there, when you were talking about what your late brother-in-law said, I started to get emotional. I'm like, okay, this is not going to be one of those episodes where I'm going to cry. I'm going to hold together. <laughs> okay, uh, I, think it's <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I'll, I'll explain why after, but there was four things that you said that I wanted to highlight. One, when you were talking about, we tell ourselves something often enough, uh, we start to believe it. Like, that's how our subconscious mind works. That's our feeling mind. And it doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. So whatever you continue to feed it, it takes that as reality. So we need to be very mindful of what we tell ourselves. I think sometimes we underestimate the, I'm going to say the damage that we also do to ourselves, the added stress that we give ourselves by what we tell ourselves. And then you spoke about that both you and your husband had dreams, but he was there first. And at the end of the day, what we focus on grows, like where the the energy is, that's what what grows. And you were investing a lot of time into focusing on his dreams and goals because they were there before yours. It's not that yours were not there. I hadn't really identified them yet. Yeah, exactly. And then you spoke about travel and I guess changing environments and how that benefited you. So I want to come back to that point. But then the fourth thing was when you were talking about your healthy connections that are around you and when you were at your lowest, how they were, where they didn't seem as worried. And it's not that, you know, they didn't have empathy. I wanted to speak to that because I think sometimes there, sometimes there's a fine line where people confuse things. So someone else in your situation could have said they're doing toxic positivity or they're not listening to my feelings or whatever. It's not that it's not that they weren't listening to your feelings. They were, but they, like you said, can see something in you that when you're at your lowest, you can't see in yourself. And when you have healthy connections around you and you have a healthy community around you, part of them uplifting you is reminding you of those strengths and reminding you of how great you are at moments that you forgot that. So those are the four things from what you said that I wanted to to go back and highlight in case anyone who was listening <laughs> missed that. <laughs> yeah, the last one is particularly important. It's it it and and if you're ever, you know, I've I've not only gone through things myself, but then everyone is going to be in a place where you are put in the support role of someone you love is is struggling and how do you help them? And I can tell you at least for me and I know a lot of other people will say this no one wants to be looked at like this. Yeah. Poor me, the victim. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? <laughs> like, you're not doing good. And the last thing you want is someone looking at you like you are this sad, pathetic thing. And it's our natural instinct because it would seem rude to just be smiling and happy. But it actually is what, at least me, when I'm down, like, it's what I need. I need someone to just treat me normally, to be positive, to be smiling. You know, the again, these real loving relationships, like, of course, you know, that person knows what's going on. It's not a lack of empathy. But when you're treating someone like you poor piece of, you know, crumbled 
paper, like all you want is to feel good and normal and whole. And so it's a huge thing that that network supporting you and reminding you that you're awesome and you got this and and being smiling instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is just how are you? <laughs> we gotta, you know, we gotta remind people that like that's not the good move. It just makes you feel like yeah, it's like too much of of anything is is not good. So you know when you have the people who are doing the the toxic positivity and they're ignoring that you're actually hurting, that's not good. And when you have people on the complete flip side where they're making you feel like you've invited them to a pity party that you you didn't invite them to, yeah. <laughs> um, you know that's also bad. So it's it's like learning to play the the middle role of having empathy, acknowledging that it sucks right now, but reminding the person of their greatness and giving them hope of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that helps you do it. You know, it reflects like it helps them do that themselves. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I remember you know, pre pandemic, um, you know, I used to travel every month and traveling was like so therapeutic for me. And I know that when I went through my last major breakup, a big thing for me was changing the environment in order for me to heal. I didn't want to be in the same space. And you mentioned traveling quite a bit. So I would love to know how has traveling transformed you? It has transformed me in every single way. Um, From those first couple trips, it just showed me that I was capable of being on my own and taking care of myself. Um, I'm the baby of five. So I kind of always grew up with people doing everything for me, you know, and, and always being doted on and cared for. And suddenly to be like off on my own in, you know, I was in Rome the first time I traveled alone and I was like lost, missed my train, you know, 19 years old, didn't have a working cell phone and like, and I survived, you know? And then like, I remember that night being like, I got this and it was very empowering. So it, it taught me that it showed me so many things I was passionate about that I would have otherwise never known. It made me fall in love with history. It made me fall in love with art. Uh, so many things that I just wasn't exposed to as as a child and just or never really cared about. But, you know, when you put yourself in situations that you're learning something new or experiencing something new, you can realize, like, I had no idea, but I love this. So it it showed me that. And it basically just opened my world enormously to not only possibilities, but also just to new everything. You know, my favorite places are the places I kind of feel the most out of my element where like nothing is like home. And uh, I remember like the first time I went to Japan, the first time I went to India, um, I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I love this. I would have, you know, you, you would have otherwise never experienced anything like that unless you go to those places. So it showed me a lot of just differences that were really key to appreciating things about my upbringing, questioning things about my upbringing, giving me the ability to like really form my own opinions about a lot of things mm-hmm. based on experiences rather than just on what I had been told or, a, you know, a certain narrative that I had learned. I see it all the time. And it just, you know, just recently with the protests in Paris to be here in Paris, experiencing that versus what I was, what I assume was being reported. Calls <laughs> I was getting from people, you know, saying that, are you okay? The whole city's on fire. And, and that, you know, that's not the reality at all. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's very important to me to continue doing that and, and to have done as much of it because it, it challenges you to, to look at things, absorb things and, and form your opinions about things. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I think it's important that you, you spoke to that because sometimes people will see something on the news because the news is there to feed the negative. So their perception versus reality is, is very different. You know, also when anyone is in the public eye, whether you're a public figure or influencer or, you know, author, any of those things, people will typically have some form of misconception about you, whether they see your life on Instagram and they, you know, create their own narrative and totally, you know, admire anything and like everything and just assume there's nothing bad in there, no struggles or the opposite where they see 
that and because of their own insecurities, they envy or, you know, have any, I guess, negative views about your life. What are some misconceptions that people have about you? Um, I've gotten a lot of interesting misconceptions uh, <laughs> down to what, what my job is even. Um, a lot of people don't fully understand that I basically have four full-time jobs that I'm doing all the time. I was sharing the other day about how I kind of reached a breaking point because I, I try to always show the the negative aspects in, in the real life and like I, that it's not just all happy and smiling all the time. I had a huge breakdown the other day and shared it and someone said it. They said, I mean this respectfully, but like, how could your life be that complicated as an influencer? And like, can't you choose your own hours? And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know what my job is? <laughs> like, I have four jobs. I don't even consider and I don't list influencer among them. Uh, you know, I have a small business that I run. I do freelance content creation for a bunch of brands and work in advertising and marketing strategies. I'm an author. And I have my own, you know, small business in in guides I'm creating and like content. I'm constantly in materials I'm creating for my own brand. I have hours that, yeah, I guess I can choose, but also like I'm the only one working for me. I'm the only one making money for me. So I work all the time. I never sleep. I don't know when it's the weekend because the weekend means nothing to me. Um, you know, it's it's interesting that the conception of uh, especially an, an influencer, a digital creator, anything is like, oh, wow, easiest job ever. And it's so yeah. like, I want there to be like a reality show about it or like a docu-series so people actually understand at least the people I know work their butts off and, and not, not any let more not I'm not saying anyone works harder than anyone else but like don't consider it like this you know haha easy life job that you choose your own hours you're not actually doing anything like it is non-stop work everything <laughs> what looks 24 7 exactly even uh, you know you might think I'm just having a fun week in London I've been working every minute of that day uh so that's a common one that like I uh that my job isn't difficult or demanding or people don't fully understand what it is that I do. Um, people think my parents pay for my life or I've had people think my sister pays for my life. Been on my own since I was uh, my dad. It's in my book. My dad, you know, the day we graduated college, he was like, better find a job because, you know, you're done. Um, and, you know, and what an incredible gift to get a college education from my parent. But then like, I was like, I gotta find a job. Next month's rent is on me. And I I work insanely hard to be able to provide for myself. And, you know, that's that's a very common misconception. Yeah, I think those are the two I get the most, which <laughs> the thing is about all of these things is when you're um, you have to be so when you know yourself, you don't let it bother you, really. And yeah. you don't feel the need to, like, lash out at anybody or, like, correct them because you're just like if. If you would, that's how I feel is like if if that's how you enjoy spending your time, if that's worth your time to you to to create this entire negative narrative about what my life is and how I've arrived here and how my time is spent, I'm too busy living that life <laughs> and the reality to worry about what you think or try to you know get into a, a DM war like. Yep. I better things to do. I'm hustling. I'm busy. If I have a spare five minutes, I'm going to call my mom. I'm not going to fight with a stranger on the internet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, there's no way to avoid that, to avoid these, these misconceptions and the, and the negativity you sometimes get, but you have to just be so rock solid in yourself and, and remember like, this person doesn't know me. They don't know yeah. my heart. They don't know my intentions. They're not here. They don't see what's going on. And if that is truly what they want to spend their time and energy doing, then they're clearly not someone who is on my level of like, we're not in the same headspace. Exactly. Yeah. And so I don't even need to be worried about what this person is thinking. All I need to be focused on is me. Yeah. And I, I think it's very important that you said that because I find anyone who is a new entrepreneur always wants to ask me that question like how do you deal with you know your family or your friends their perception of what it is that you do and and all those things and it's like at the end of the day their perception is based on their beliefs their past experiences their history their traumas all of those things and people will often 
project their insecurities or, you know, negative viewpoints on other people. And if you are sharing your life online, like I've been, I've been self-employed for almost 15 years now, so I get it. So when you're sharing your, your life online, because people think in pictures, they will look at one picture and create their own narrative of your life based on a picture or a couple pictures. They will create their own story of who they believe you are, what they believe your values are. It doesn't mean that it's actual fact. So it's great that you've pointed out like any free time that you do have, you're going to take that energy and invest it in the people that love you and appreciate you and support you than the negative trolls online who are basically using that as a tool to, I guess, express their own hurt and their own issues. Yeah, I, I truly think every time there's any kind of negative thing, and I, I tell this to friends who get negative stuff, I just think like, if someone is using their time that way, like you're just <laughs> should instantly just be not concerned with what they think about you. Because for me, like what a poor way to use your time. Yeah. To- actively use your time to try to bring someone else down to try to like make someone cry or make someone upset or, you know, make someone question what they're doing. Like, why is that ever worth your own time? You have to just focus on, focus on goodness, like focus on yourself and focus on goodness. So I always just like, I, I learned, I learned that on my own a long time ago. And it's a message I always try to share. Like, you just keep doing you. You'd be too busy to care. You'd yeah. be too solid in who you are to let the opinion of a stranger ever make you question for a second your yeah. own worth or what you're doing or if it's the right move. Just keep doing you. Yeah, agreed. 1000%. My, my thing is if they don't have my phone number and can call me personally, they know nothing about me. <laughs> nothing. You can assume what you want versus what you, you know, what you see online or what you read or hear in a podcast. But if you don't have my phone number and I'm not sharing my personal life with you on a regular basis, you know nothing about me. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, you know, I think when you talk about healing, like the beautiful thing about going through something really difficult, because uh, there are, there's always silver linings, is when you really decide, like, I want to heal from this. And you start taking steps toward it. I feel like it becomes addictive. It's like, (laughs) learn a little bit about yourself. You start to dig into the trauma, dig into the grief. And and you're willing to address these things that think a lot of these people who do lash out and spend their time being nasty to people. I think it's because they don't actually want to spend the time working on themselves. Rather pick apart others. I'd rather spend that time working on myself. Yeah. And, and being in a really tough place kind of forces you to start. And once you start getting to know yourself and working on yourself and healing yourself, and then you see the growth and you see what it does and you see how it changes your life. You're like, it's, you're never done. Right. Like there's never like, Oh, healed. You know, yeah. you're like, Oh, <laughs> what else can I do? What else can I try? What else can I learn? Because how few of us actually deeply know ourselves and it should be everyone's top priority. Like get to know yourself inside out the way that you want to get to know the person who, you know, you fall in love with and you just want to know everything about them, their history, what they love, what they hate. Like we have to do that same thing to ourselves. Yes. Um, and a lot of it is is hard and tricky. There's things you're going to have to accept that you don't like. There's truths that are you've never faced. There's things you've never said or admitted. But when you start doing that, it is life changing. Yeah. And there's not a part of me that wants to spend a second picking apart somebody else. Like I'd much rather do that work on, do work on myself. And that's where my focus is. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. 1000%. You know, I got obsessed with personal development when I was going through my divorce in 2009. And then that's when I actually started on that, that journey and through, I guess, my obsession, the energy, the focus, the manifestation of it all, I ended up connecting with Bob Proctor. I don't know if you know who he is, but um, he was one of the thought leaders featured in the documentary, The Secret. And oh. I ended up doing his coaching program. I got mentored by him, his wife, his daughter, got certified through their company. And then I went through a traumatic breakup in 
2019, no, 10 years after my divorce. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, through that became even more obsessed with like deeper healing and understanding um, energy and the uncomfortableness of healing and that obsession of self-awareness and self-mastery. And that's why I said, I can totally agree with everything you said, because a lot of people are out here so focused on other people, so focused on what people are doing that they don't even know that they don't know themselves. You know, the pandemic forced a lot of people into isolation to get to know themselves and they didn't like what they saw. And, you know, we have people struggling with mental health and all kinds of issues. But if we were to invest that same amount of time getting to know ourselves, getting to understand how we process things, how we heal, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, we would actually improve every relationship around us. And the ripple effect would be unbelievable. Enormously. But I, I think it's it's a lot easier to pick somebody else apart, especially <laughs> when you're hiding behind a screen and you don't have to ever face that person. I mean, that is so easy, like low-hanging fruit instead yeah. of doing the hard work because it is not easy to work on yourself. Yeah. But instead of doing the hard work, you can just pick people apart and tell yourself that makes you feel better about who you are. Compare yourself to somebody, make this fake narrative, rip them apart, and you're so much better and you're so much less... You're, you're so much more real or you're so much, you know, yeah. just do the yeah. work on yourself. Like, <laughs> you know, it's such an interesting, it's actually such a reflection on who that person is that is tearing the people apart far more than it is the actual person they're criticizing. Um, Absolutely. I, I think I'm actually going to title this episode, learning how to trust your own magic within. Cause I feel like, you know, a lot of people are so focused on, other people and other people's lives and other people's Instagrams and narratives and accomplishments. And it's all about our own inner magic, our own potential, our, um, you know, our own self-awareness and self-mastery. Yeah. And, and to drop that comparison, to not be, you know, to not constantly be comparing ourselves. Um, it's, that's so dangerous because what makes someone else happy is not necessarily going to make you happy. Right. You know, not everyone's brand of joy is move to a country where you know no one and, and you know, start over. You know, I understand like that that did it for me. That was my dream, but you know, that's I can't promise you that's what's going to make you happy. You know, everyone has to do their own, you know, figure out what it is for them that is that is going to unlock that that joy that freedom that you know that magic and you can't just copy someone else's format Agreed. it's not going to work for you and and you also can't even you know look at something and say oh that's that's the definition of of perfect because how often is is what you see the reality Exactly. Like, <laughs> so you can't look at someone else's life and like goals. No. What you see, and then like everything <laughs> underneath it is is what someone's hiding or just the moments that aren't captured. Absolutely agree. So before we go to the final segment, I would love if you could tell the listeners where they could stay connected with you to learn more from you and about you. Um, my Instagram, I update every day. I recently joined TikTok, though I admit I still don't really know what I'm doing on there, but it's been a fun, uh, sort of fun venture. Um, my website has, uh, you know, anacludes.com has all sorts of stuff and links on it. Um, and, and of course the, the book, which comes out on the 16th, <laughs> a very, very real raw, uh, you know, account of, of 10 years of my life. So that's a great way to get to know me. Awesome. So I will definitely have all of your links in the detailed section below the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. So the final segment is kind of like a rapid fire. Um, just a couple of quick reflection questions. You can answer one word or one sentence. I don't like to be put into a box. So if you feel that you need to expand, you are free to do so. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? I put the radio on. Okay. Abba. <laughs> okay what's the last thing you do at night before you go to bed usually honestly emails i fall asleep with my hand, with my hand unfortunately emails are responding to dms trying to get to through dms okay 
What advice would you give your future self, not your younger self, but your future self? <laughs> I guess I'd say like, don't be afraid to reinvent everything again, change careers, move cities. Like I don't like being too comfortable. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, if you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would that be? Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Simple, but yeah, just be nice. Love it. Okay. When and where are you the happiest? Uh, when I'm with my family. When all seven of us are together. It doesn't matter where, but when I'm with my family. Yes. Okay. Uh, what's one thing you forgive yourself for? I forgive myself for losing myself because we got back. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Tell themselves they're great. They're awesome. Look in the mirror and say good things instead of bad things. No more picking each other and picking yourself apart. Just even if you can just do one a day, just when you go in the mirror, instead of instantly finding some flaw, just direct compliment. Yeah. Start with a compliment. I love that. I love that. Because unfortunately, I know too many women that cannot look themselves in the mirror for too long. You know, something as simple as staring themselves in the eye in the mirror for a minute long. You know, they're in tears. They don't have positive things to say about themselves. So I 1000% agree with you that, you know, look in the mirror and tell yourself something positive, even one thing a day until you can not only allow that to seep into your subconscious and believe it, but until you can, you know, increase that and feel way better about yourself. Cause I, I feel like there's too many of us women that don't feel great about ourselves, but we're, we're on this healing journey together. So yep. thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. I I so enjoyed talking with you. I'm so thankful you have me on. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate you. And, you know, I want everyone to go out and purchase the book and follow you on your website and read your blogs, you know, and to all of you healers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We want to hear what part of Anna's story resonated with you. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag Anna at Anna Klutz and you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. And I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. That's over 3 million podcasts. So to me, that's a big deal. (laughs) Thank you. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.